The questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. From the report from Iron Mountain, dated September 30th, 1966. Here's an excerpt. The existence of an accepted external menace is essential to social cohesiveness, as well as to the acceptance of political authority. The menace must be believable. It must be of a magnitude consistent with the complexity of the society threatened, and it must appear to affect the entire society. It has been hotly argued that such a menace would offer the last, best hope of peace by uniting mankind against the danger of destruction by creatures from other planets or from outer space. However unlikely some of the possible alternate enemies we have mentioned may seem, we must emphasize that one must be found of credible quality and magnitude if a transition to peace is ever to come about without social disintegration. It is more probable that such a threat will have to be invented rather than developed from unknown conditions. Tonight, we'd have an extraordinary person who has had extraordinary experiences in his life, and all his conclusions are based on the experiences that he's had. His first appearance on Veritas was 10 years ago, and it's probably one of the most popular interviews I've done. So buckle up. Tonight, we'll go deep into the rabbit hole. Greetings, I'm your host, Mel Fabregas. And if you're new to the Veritas family, welcome home. To listen to tonight's full interview and all of our material, just click on the subscribe button. And don't forget to visit the Veritas store for MMS, hemp oil, pure organic sulfur, and much more. And if you want to get in touch with me, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. John Lear is a retired airline captain and former CIA contract pilot with over 19,000 hours of flight time, over 11,000 in command of three or four engine jet transports. He has flown over 100 different types of aircraft in 60 different countries around the world. He retired in 2001 after more than 40 years of flying. He is the son of Learjet inventor Bill Lear. John holds more FAA Airman certificates than any other FAA certified airman. John flew secret missions for the CIA in Southeast Asia, Eastern Europe, the Middle East, and Africa between 1967 and 1983. John held 17 world records, including speed around the world in a Learjet Model 24, set in 1966. Now we have a more comprehensive bio on our website. His website is thelivingmoon.com. And directly from Las Vegas, Nevada, I'd like to welcome the one and only John Lear. Hello, John, and welcome back to Veritas after 10 years. How are you? Hey, thanks, Val. Uh, it's nice to be here. Nice to have you back. And right from the beginning, I want to give you credit, John, for opening my mind and my eyes about the $150 billion hoax on the American taxpayer, the so-called moon landing. Like many people, <laughs> <laughs> it was hard for me to look into the evidence, but you were, and you are convinced about this hoax and and because it's the 50th anniversary, let's begin our interview with this immaculate deception. Are you still sending that we didn't go to the moon? No, no, we did not go to the moon. And uh, Apollo 11 is uh, what happened is uh, they were 
uh, at uh, Cape Canaveral so that everybody could see them, but they weren't in the uh, <clears throat> weren't they weren't in the rocket that uh, launched. And uh, then they were flown to um, uh, Johnston Island in the Pacific, and they spent uh, eight days there, uh, waiting for uh, the alleged return, so that uh, uh, when the proper time came for them to uh, come back to Earth from the alleged mission, uh, that they would just uh, get in this capsule uh, at Johnston Island, and in the capsule was in the back of a, a uh, either a C5A or or C130 or something else, and uh, they would uh, they were uh, flown uh, up over the uh, carriers waiting for them to land, and pushed them out, and the three parachutes uh, uh, billowed out. And uh, uh, the helicopter, of course, they, land, they landed in the water, and the helicopter came over and picked them up. Now, uh, here's, the, here's the clinker, is after you're on your back for eight solid days, you're going to be a little stiff, right? So what happens is they put them on the, uh, uh, <clears throat> they uh, picked them up out of the, uh, uh, out of the ocean, and uh, in the helicopter, flew them to the um, uh, to the aircraft carrier. And I'm trying to remember what the name of the aircraft carrier was. And uh, all the uh, the uh, press was there as they got out of the helicopter. There was a little stairway had about uh, five or six stairs that they could go down. And what happens is they just went down those stairs like they were. Uh, you know, like they had uh, not not been anywhere, and uh, they just hippity hopped down there, and uh, then they went over to the uh, uh, to the uh, quarantine uh, trailer, and they hopped over there, and then they they uh, went in there, and there was absolutely no sign that <laughs> they'd been on their backs for eight days, except for the two hours on the moon. But we always we enjoyed that. Uh, that hopes, and you know, no. In the last two or three years, I've seen NASA make a, a huge concerted effort uh, to uh, make people believe that we did go. But uh, even the people that work for NASA, uh, you know, they say, "Well, I don't know where all that stuff went. You know, we lost it." But it's impossible to lose that that much data. Do you remember, John? Do you remember the first? press conference. A lot of people think that that press conference was days after they returned from, quote unquote, the moon. But it was a couple of months later. It was uh, September the 16th. Do you remember that conference? What was your take when you saw that? Uh, You know, they looked scared uh, to me and they were trying to get their story straight. Uh, Did did we see the stars or uh, I don't know. Uh, when I looked through the uh, uh, the sextant, I could see a star. You know that kind of stuff. They just uh, weren't uh, weren't together, and and they did look scared. So, uh, but do you think um, it took two months for them to be brainwashed enough, Alam MK Ultra, to be able to say the things that the government wanted them to say? Yes, I'm trying to think now uh, how they did that. Uh, because, uh, you know, Buzz Aldrin uh, had some issues uh, that uh, he, when he was trying to remember 
uh, landing on the moon and he would get violently ill. And, uh, you know, and uh, Neil Armstrong never, ever said that much about uh, about the landing. So, <clears throat> yes, they did. Uh, uh, they did do the mind control. Let's see, that was in 19... 69, 1970, 71. And then uh, my friend Bob Lazar went up to the test site uh, at, uh, in uh, 88. And they had even, uh, uh, they had even uh, uh, made the, uh, uh, made the uh, mind control much better so that, uh, uh, so that when they, would uh, come back from the test site. You know, they'd go to, <clears throat> uh, on, on Sunset Boulevard, that was EG&G, and there was a place that you could pull in uh, on the 737 and uh, get in the plane, then they'd take you up to Groom Lake, and then uh, they took you in a, put you in a bus, and it was about a half an hour, 45 minutes ride uh, back down to Papoose Lake. And uh, <clears throat> all this came to a screeching halt on the... Uh, May on April 6th, 1980, uh, let's see, 88, uh, 1989, when we all got caught up there. And what happened is, uh, me and uh, Gene Huck and Bob and Bob's wife and Bob's wife's sister, and the five of us, uh, were there. And this is the third time we went there. <clears throat> and uh, the camel dudes had uh, caught us. And uh, when we were, uh, kind of running away, uh, we were trying to hide Bob. He said, I can't afford to get caught here. And what we did is when it looked like we were not going to be able to outrun the, the camera dudes, we stopped and Bob ran out into the desert so that they couldn't see. You know, he said, will they leave? And then I'll come back to the car. Okay. So the camera dudes show up and uh, I went over. I think there was two cars there. Uh, I went over and I put my hands on uh, the roof and I said, you know, what's going on? What's going on? And they said, uh, well, we should ask you the same. Why are you running? And, you know, I said, well, I thought we were uh, interrupting some kind of uh, a dope deal here. He said, well, no, that's not it. We need to see uh, some social security numbers and driver's license and all that. But uh, Bob didn't want to show himself. And so when uh, they finally, after I think we were there for about 45 minutes, when they finally left, or we thought they left, uh, Bob came out of the desert. And uh, uh, we chatted for about, uh, oh, maybe about 30 minutes, and then uh, went out uh on that dirt road where it meets the uh, uh, the extraterrestrial highway, and when we got onto the extraterrestrial highway, um, there was the Lincoln County Police there, and they had sirens and lights and everything, and pulled us over. <clears throat> and uh, the, the guy—I forget what the guy's name is—but uh, he was really a super super guy, and uh, the the police officer, and uh, trying to remember what he said, but, uh, uh, we were all on, uh, on the, uh, on the outside of the car with our hands on the roofs. And he was saying, okay, all I want to know is two things. Number one, 
why is there five people in the car now and that the uh, security only saw four people uh, when they inspected this car 30 minutes ago? And then he said, and the second thing is, I want to know where the nine millimeter is. <clears throat> because when Bob went running out into the desert, he took his personal nine millimeter and uh, he made some rather bizarre. Um, now, what's the comments. word did you say? What did you say? The last part, word is what? what? You said that uh, the, he wanted to know why there were five people and before there were four, but also that there's a part that I, you got caught off all of a sudden. He wants to know, they want, the other thing is, where's the 9-millimeter handgun? The 9-millimeter handgun. Okay, go ahead. Okay, and that was, belonged to Bob, and he took that out uh, in the desert. And uh, when we, when they left, or we thought that security left, and we took our those security numbers in, uh, and uh, driver's license, uh, they had <laughs> only gone about 100 Yards down the run, uh, down the uh, dirt road, turned around, and now we're filming, uh, filming us in uh, infrared and uh, recording us. They had a parabolic uh, recorder there, with what we were saying, and uh, that's how they knew about the nine millimeters because uh, Bob made the inopportune um, statement that. Uh, I had one of those guys right in my sights, you know, and one false move, I would have blown his head away, which is bullshit, you know, maybe he did, but uh, he wasn't going to kill anybody over this. Uh, but anyway, that's where the sheriff uh, got the idea for the nine millimeter and what he wanted to, uh, he wanted to know where it was. And, you know, he never did find out. And I think we uh, were out there uh, hemmed and hawed for at least an hour. <clears throat> and, uh, then at one point, and I forget the sheriff's name, he said, okay, I don't know why I'm being told this, but I'm being told to let you guys go and to tell you not to ever come back here again. And uh, so he let us go after all these threats about, you know, locking us up and all that. And uh, we drove back to Las Vegas in uh, total silence and the next morning is when Bob uh, got up. He was supposed to go to work that next morning, but he got a call from Dennis Mariana and said, Bob, uh, don't go out to the airplane today. Uh, I'm going to pick you up and we're going to go somewhere. And what he was going to do is is uh, drive Bob up to uh, Indian Springs. And that's where they were going to get the debriefing. And that's where they were going to... Uh, uh, be very unhappy with Bob for taking all of his friends out to the test site to watch all of mine saucers. So <clears throat> when uh, all was said and done that morning, uh, they said, you know, when you get your personal affairs worked out, and, and you know, that had to do with his wife, uh, seeing, his, uh, uh, seeing her uh, flight instructor, said, when you get that straightened out, we'd be happy to have you back. And then I asked Bob in the next couple of days if he was interested in going back, and he said no, because um, the last two trips he made up there, he could remember going up the stairs to the 737 there on uh, uh, EG&G's uh, hangar there on, that used to be on the south side of the runway 25 at Las Vegas. Is that Janet Airlines, John? Pardon? Is that Janet Airlines? Yeah. 
Yeah, that was uh, okay. Jan. I'm not sure whether it's called Janet. Uh, everybody does call him Janet, but um, Dennis Mariana said uh, we're we're going to uh, drive up to uh, Indian Springs, and now that's called Creech Air Force Base, and that's where all they do all the uh, the uh, drone um, uh, drone missions. Uh, in the Middle East, yeah. and they can, you know, they have all kinds of uh, sets there where they can actually see through satellites, you know, with satellites and see what they're doing and where they're flying. It's, it's a really impressive uh, thing. But anyway, <clears throat> Bob told me, I said, are you going back? And he said, no, because what happened is the last two times I went up there, I could remember going up the steps to the 737 to drive to uh, fly to Groom Lake and I can remember coming back down the steps when we got back that evening uh, to EG&G but I couldn't remember anything in between and uh, I don't want to work under those conditions I want to remember what we're doing and they advanced the mind control to such a uh, uh, excellent uh, excellent point that uh, they um uh, and they could make somebody forget uh, where they were going. Not, not just Bob, it was everybody else that worked at the test site. So do you think the same technology or the same mechanism was used with uh, Neil Armstrong and, and, and uh, Buzz Aldrin? You think that the same mechanism was used with Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong? Yes, absolutely. But uh, it was much more advanced. Uh, from when they had the first moon missions. The mind control was much, much better. Going back to Apollo, you probably heard recently where they're talking about, oh, we need to create better outfits and better exterior design for the for the uh, the, the, the vessel that's going to take the astronauts back to the moon in order for us to be able to go through the Van Allen belt, almost as if they're telling us, We can't go through the Van Allen belt. So if we can't go now, how did we do it six times back then? <laughs> That's a good point. You know, we need uh, five feet of lead to uh, stop the uh, uh, the radiation from harming anybody who's going to go through uh, the Van Allen belt, uh, which extends from 500 miles up to 25,000 miles up. Uh, and, of course, this was discovered by... Uh, Van Allen in uh, 1959. Right. Uh, and this was uh, uh, very, very uh, dangerous. And they knew it then. So they knew that they were going to have to, if they were going to pretend that they were going to go to the moon, they would have to solve that uh, Van Allen belt uh, question somehow. Now, John, 10 years ago, and even before that, uh, you were certain that disclosure would never happen. Do you still hold that position? Oh, absolutely. You know, I hear so many people uh, say, yeah, well, it's just around the corner. You know, look at, you know, they get these, uh, uh, they're saying this and they're saying that and they're just getting ready. It's not ever going to happen. There's going to be no disclosure. Now, uh, what the deal is, is you can ride, ride uh, read some of the books uh, or all the books that Lou Baldwin has uh, written and you can know far more than uh, disclosure would ever tell you. So the people waiting for disclosure are, you know, under the impression that uh, the government's going to tell them something. <laughs> But uh, it's not going to happen that way. 
uh, they're not going to uh, they're not thank you for listening to unlock the full two-hour interview including video formats downloads transcripts exclusive articles and more subscribe to veritas plus now gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008 just click subscribe at veritasradio.com because you don't want to believe you want to know subscribe now to listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material proceed to the veritas plus member section or join the veritas plus family by subscribing click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com don't forget to visit the veritas store for focused life force energy get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required and if you want to get in touch with mel want to be a guest on this radio program have a guest suggestion or have feedback just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com now proceed to the veritas plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview you don't want to miss it because you don't want to believe you want to know What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.